0: Welcome, everyone, to Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren, And as I promised, uh, I, I have someone with me today who is going to help me dive into why California is losing power and why the major power company PG&E has cut my power a couple times and what's going on in the People's Republic of California. So with that, I'd like to welcome Jacob Fattorecci. He's a property casualty life, accident, and health insurance broker agent licensed in the state of California. He's a member of the Society of Certified Insurance Counselors, the National Association of Health Underwriters, the Claims and Litigation Management Alliance, and the American Agents Alliance Insurance Association. He's a certified insurance agent for Covered California and an independent broker authorized to offer policies from many different insurance companies. Jacob, welcome to the show. Thank you for giving us some time.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, I know that I said I was going to talk about power, but a lot of people might be wondering, how this insurance dude have any special insight about power? He's not an electrical engineer, and he, he's not a power management guy. Um, but insurance is one of those things that, you, you mentioned this in a, in a message to me on Facebook. It's one of those industries that I think a lot of leftists Dismiss as I think the word you use was big. They, they viewed it as grifting insurance is grifting yeah. But in reality for someone like who's an anarcho-capitalist like me or even just a libertarian um, insurance companies Actually are the regulations that a lot of people are hoping that the government will handle insurance companies are the private market solution to a lot of The risk that people are concerned about when they when they turn to the government for regulations and you specifically told me about pg e's relationship with insurance in california and how this might be a contributing factor to what's what's going on you mind just giving an overview to our audience about what your perspective there is
1: sure um i guess i kind of have to start off by saying um while i totally agree with you that um that insurance is a free market way of making sure people are responsible right um, if something is insured, you know that if, you know, if if I do something wrong, the insurance company has to pay for it, then the insurance company will be on my back making sure that I'm doing things correctly. Um, and definitely, you know, for people who aren't of the social democrats, socialists, you know, um, persuasion, it's... Insurance makes the world go round, it really does. Um, unfortunately, um, it's pretty much impossible to have a, an actual insurance market without heavy regulation. It just doesn't work, it, it's never worked. Um, and that's kind of what we're seeing in, in California. Um, so the really obvious thing about PG&E, when we had that paradise fire where a large number of people, I believe it was 80 something people died.
0: 86. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, You know, that really got me very upset because, um, you know, right afterwards, PG&E filed for bankruptcy because they could, because they only had $1.3 billion in insurance, I believe it was. So it that's something like that was reported now they have 16 million customers they had 1. Point whatever million made, let's say 2 billion dollars in um in insurance that's like 100 100 200 dollars per right uh, per client right um i have 3 million dollars of liability insurance I don't have, you know, 3,000 clients. Right. Um, And most people, you know, $1 million of insurance is considered pretty much minimal. Right. So the regulators should have required much larger amounts of insurance for PG&E. And if they had required that larger amount of insurance, then the insurance company would have been on, their back to make sure that they weren't causing any fires. But since they were underinsured and the regulators let them be underinsured, there wasn't an insurance company on their back. And um, I think the estimates I saw was something like $15 billion in, in damage that that fire did. And honestly, I think that's probably a very low number because if there was an insurance company Let's say there was a trillion dollars, which sounds ridiculous to people, but it really isn't for a company that's servicing 16 million um, client uh, people for something like a utility. I mean, utility, that's a a high liability industry. So if they had had something like a trillion dollars of insurance, guess what? After that fire, where 86 people died, whole towns were burnt down. You would have, it wouldn't have happened. It would have never happened because no insurance company is going to allow such a situation to take place where that utility does a trillion dollars in damage, which they then have to pay out. But because they are a corporation, they didn't <laughs> they, they they just carry whatever insurance is' in, is necessary or you know will cover how much property they have they they should have been required to to carry much larger amounts of insurance. And if they had been required to keep uh, to have that much insurance, the insurance company would have stopped them. And, you know, there's a lot more that's also going on because of everything that's happening in the insurance market in Los Angeles, I mean, not just Los Angeles, but in California. But also, there's an insurance problem from the perspective of the homes that burnt down, that whole town, Paradise, which burnt down, right? I'm I'm willing to bet... Anything that a very large number of those homes were insured by California Fair Plan, which is a government insurer. It's an insurer of last resort, right? So people who can't get normal insurance buy this government fair plan, right? Which is anything but fair, honestly. Right. Um, and I hope I don't get into too much trouble.
0: Well, let's just pause. I, I do want to go down that path, but let's, there's a lot to unpack there that you've said. So let's pause and give right. people a minute to digest. So first of all, you're saying if, there, uh, if P&G&E had carried what would be a proper amount of insurance, like if I want to get my home insured for various, let's say, fire or flooding or whatever it is, um, The insurance company typically sends out someone to inspect my home and see, like, if I want earthquake insurance, they'll say, "Well, do you have? Did you retrofit? Is it like what will happen in the event of an earthquake? Like, let's take a look at at what our risk is, so they can do a calculation and figure out how much they would need to charge me in order to actually be able to replace my home if, if you know, if God forbid something happened."
1: Okay, so I I have to kind of stop you there because yes, that's that's what happens with property insurance. Yep. Um, here we're part of the problem is, um, part of the problem is property insurance through fair plan. But as far as PG and E goes, uh, we're talking about liability insurance and liability insurance. For example, on your home, um, you usually have $300,000 that's required by your mortgage of liability insurance. If you're running a business, like I am your various business partners. My business partners require me to carry at least a million dollars of insurance. I carry three million dollars of insurance um, for liability. So how liability is assessed is a little bit different. Um, When it comes to PG&E with the number of customers that they had, the only real person who could have required them to have like a trillion dollars of insurance which i think is perfectly reasonable for uh, i actually think 16 trillion is is reasonable because when when you get up that high you just want to be high enough that the insurance company is like there's no way we're we're letting this reach our right it's basically
0: from (laughs) their perspective
1: yeah from 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 an insurance company's uh, perspective it should be there is no way we want to pay this out, although regulators will make sure that the insurance company can, in fact pay out what it's what it's saying. Um, but if they had sixteen trillion dollars of ins- of liability insurance, there is no way anybody any the insurer who was carrying that liability would have allowed them to let their um, their wiring becomes so messed up that right. what's happening today is happening.
0: So, so, that, so it is different. I, so liability insurance is different than property. But, but I guess my point is really just to, to clarify in people's minds, it's the same process of they, they look at risk, they measure risk, and they figure out how to price that risk. And in the insurance company's case, what you're saying is they looked at PG&E and said, whoa, whoa, whoa we're not giving you insurance unless you maintain this equipment better. Like we want, we want to really minimize the risk that we ever have to pay out. So in order to even get this insurance from us, there's a lot of stuff you've got to do that's going to make, that's going to make us feel good. Like that we're never going to have to write a $16 trillion check. Right. Correct.
1: So part of, part of what makes requiring liability insurance. So uh, it's, it's such a good thing in society because if you're requiring somebody to buy liability insurance for something that's not going to happen they're going to be able to get that pretty cheap right so if if somebody's telling me hey you need to get a million dollars of insurance in case you you know blow up whatever um, an insurance company is going to be like oh sure we'll we'll write that with and they'll take a minimum amount of a uh, premium so there's nothing if PG and E did not have liability problems, then buying a trillion dollars of insurance would have been would not have cost them very much. Right. That's why the regulators can and should, but do not because of crony capitalism, because obviously PG and E has influence over their it, their regulators, and in California, the people who are regulators are, you know, they a lot of them, and it's become our insurance co- commissioner who just got elected. Honestly, he he has no experience whatsoever in insurance whatsoever. Um, he he was completely new to it, and the only reason he even decided to run was because he had been a, a proponent of medicare for all in california while he was in the assembly um which of course i, I don't think any reasonable insurance person would thinks is in any way <laughs> you know reasonable right. um, but so our con- our insurance commissioner right now um and again, I hope I don't get into too much trouble with this. Uh, but he's not a person who who understands insurance lots of lots of people you know insurance is really boring stuff. I love talking about insurance. I'll talk about insurance forever. Um, at parties, my friends know not to bring up insurance <laughs> um, because it's it's really boring, dry stuff that people don't want to really think about. So most people have no idea what an insurance company does. They think it's just a middleman. You, if When you listen to the debates, um, when you listen to the debates uh, uh, the Democrats have, they talk about the insurance companies like they're, we're completely worthless. If you just get rid of us, life is just simply going to be better because all we do is waste people's money and we're just greedy, right? Um, and people don't realize insu- the insurance um, industry created firefighters. There were no firefighters before insurance companies created firefighters.
0: Why don't you tell people about that? Why? How did that happen?
1: So um, modern insurance, what, what I call true insurance, has only existed for a few hundred years. Okay. Um, it it happened in a weird primordial soup in London, in a specific coffee shop that was, it was just a coffee shop named Lloyd's of London, which you might recognize the name now. Yes,
0: um, they insure anything, I think. is.
1: Well, that's, yes, they, they are known for, be, for insuring anything, like um, medical marijuana clients, um, now we can get them insurance in, in, in California as well, but it used to be only out of London, you know, sir. So they, they also insure crazy things as well as kind of a gimmick, but Lloyd's of London was just a coffee shop. It was just a coffee shop. Um, and the particular, the particular, um, environment in London at that time led to what's what we now know as insurance okay and so for example it, it really started as people betting right okay. people would bet on anything including how long somebody would live whether ships would come in or not um, and it morphed into policies and they started issuing policies for fires. Right. And what happened was insurers had, um, saw that they would pay a lot less if, when there was a fire, they had a fire brigade come and a, try to put out the fire and B try to get your stuff out, you know? So, um, originally, what ha- there were these medallions that people would put on their houses if they were subscribed to a particular fire insurer, um, and the fire, ins- fire engines would only come, you know, I, I don't think they had engines back then, but uh, would only come to those houses that, that had those fire medallions, right? And eventually, you know, it, it morphed into more of a public good. Um, and similar things are are happening today Um, I think most people who know who know about cars know about the IIHS safety rating Uh, very few people think what IIHS stands for it's the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety Um, you know insurers have a create all kinds of public goods in order to minimize their own liability. Um, so, yeah. yeah. They, they put
0: pressure on people to de-risk uh, the likelihood of catastrophic events or at least minimi- minimize the impact, right? They, they or even to
1: regulate, them. for example, the building codes. Most of the building codes, people don't really think, who's lobbying for these building codes that we have? Mm. Um, most of the safety stuff, it's insurance companies that are that are lobbying for that you that know yeah um and this is part of the problem one of the reasons fire insurers are have started to flee california and they really have i mean i'm even seeing surplus lines insurers like lloyds um turn down risks in california because um i i believe i mean i don't have any insider knowledge but my belief is because they they don't think it's possible you know there's too much political risk. they cannot get the state of California to do the things that they normally require. you know, a, a surplus lines insurer will hire um, you know firefighting helicopters from other countries to come and fight fires. Um, a little while back, um, I think, it was the Kardashians who had private uh, private firefighters sent by their insurance company. And people were really outraged at that, which, you know, why are you outraged? People are paying more firefighters. That's, that's good for everyone.
0: Right. There, it, it helps it, everyone. Yeah.
1: People thought it was outrageous. I think it was on TNZ or something and people were getting mad um, and, and you get you know or in in canada some insurance companies were were starting to pay for climate research and people got mad why are these insurance companies paying for climate research well you know climate change is an actual if climate change is an actual threat which unfortunately we don't have enough good science then that really matters to the insurance companies we insure a lot of property we're talking trillions of dollars of in in property which you know if if there's going to be more uh more tornadoes more you know whatever that's that's a huge deal so an insurance you know some insurance companies got together and and they were funding research at at a university on on the climate and people got outraged um you know people were saying that it's funny people from both sides were outraged right yeah Uh, the the environmentalists were outraged because they were saying oh this is you know these this is capitalism trying to make fake science and the anti-environmentalists i guess you would call them um were outraged because they 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 were saying, oh, this is the insurance companies trying to jack up rates with fake science. And it's like, no, we're, we're just trying to find out what's going on.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, this is the other thing. I mean, and, and I, this is something that I think of, you can kind of rely on insurance companies to do. Insurance companies, especially in a free market where you're talking about where, like, uh, lots of people can provide property insurance, right, or for, for environmentalists uh, or for environmental damage they have an incentive to get to the actual answer, right? They have a, they're very incentivized to find the real truth, not to have it be less risky than it actually is because then they'll lose money, not to make it more risky than it actually is because then a competitor who has a better truth will undercharge them. They actually, the, the, in, the market incentives for an insurance company are aligned very well to understand the exact risk.
1: In, in a competitive market, Yes, that's
0: that's true. what I mean in a competitive yeah, market. That,
1: <laughs> that, yeah, I, I, I really have to push back on this free market idea. There's never been free market insurance. Um, without without a regulated insurance market, you get what I call degenerate insurance. Um, insurance, because of market pressures, insurance is very fragile. Insurance is incredibly fragile and insurance markets, without heavy regulation, Will collapse very easily, at least into various forms of de- degenerate insurance. Um, and
0: can you, can you define what you mean by degenerate insurance? Because I'm not sure I'm following.
1: So, let's, for example, <laughs> dental insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Dental insurance is not a dental is not insurance. It's it's simply not. We we know that in the insurance market, um, it's it's what we call a service plan which is a degenerate form of insurance, which isn't, isn't fraudulent. It, you, you, buying a service plan is still useful, but it, a service plan doesn't have all the various parts of insurance. For example, your, um, your dental plan might have a $5,000 limit. It, it doesn't have a $50,000 limit. So if you have, you know, very serious work that needs to be done on your on on your teeth, they're just not going to pay for it. They they have incredibly low limits, um, which, you know, it's it's no longer insurance. It really isn't.
0: Okay, I see now. Okay.
1: Um, but it works, and these degenerate forms of insurance. Um, They are very, they're more profitable than actual insurance. Uh, And people, unfortunately, consumers are just not sophisticated enough to to be able to tell the difference. Um, It's it's very difficult for consumers to know if an insurance policy is an actual insurance policy. Um, That's why, for example, um it's funny, people I, I get a lot of blowback for this. Obamacare has really done wonderful things in the insurance market. Um, one of the wonderful things that, that it has done is create higher deductibles. That was not a bug. that was a feature. That was something that was very deliberately done, because high deductible health plans Function more like an insurance, um, and the five million plans that were um, that were cancelled, um, you know, that people got really mad about. Those weren't even degenerative insurance. That, those were just frauds. Um, honestly, people were buying. They they didn't know what they were buying, um, and they would. They're better off not being able to buy fraudulent insurance fraudulent insurance makes my life difficult because people think you know that the insurance policies I'm recommending are also fraudulent
0: so let's let's not get into a debate about <laughs> uh about <bomb laughs> insurance regulation because uh a, as a uh as an anarcho capitalist kind of guy I I I I hear what you're saying that you think there's benefits to it I'm much more of a let let people figure out what they need and don't need and if they can't figure it out that's kind of their problem but um i do want to i do want to get back to to california's fire uh problem here because the truth is so PG&E has a monopoly it's a government issued monopoly um and so as a result of that that monopoly comes with some privileges and some strings attached to it um, and one of those strings is they are told how much insurance, not by consumers, how much insurance they're expected to have or any, anything, anyone else, but by the state. The state's supposed to tell them. And you're saying state's done a bad job. It, um,
1: it's, it hasn't. I mean, having one billion dollars or two billions or whatever it was, whatever it was, it was, they went bankrupt. When you go bankrupt, because of a liability insurance, because of a liability issue, it means one of two things. You didn't have enough liability or something really crazy happened.
0: Right, there was a nuclear war or something you couldn't have predicted or something horrible, right?
1: Right. And uh, honestly, they, there is no reason why a company that's worth, you know, I, I think they, they were valued at around two billion wouldn't have a hundred times that in, in liability insurance, except you know, they know what's gonna happen to them. Okay, they go bankrupt. Nobody's gonna go back and take the money that they paid out already away from them. Right. We, we, so, so explain
0: explain that to people, because I think a lot of people hear bankrupt and they don't understand that when you've got a cronyist system and you've got uh, people declaring bankruptcy, Uh, it's actually not bad for the people declaring bankruptcy it's a way to get out of debt can you explain that to people a little bit
1: sure I mean what you can do if without proper insurance what you can do is create all sorts of liabilities that you know are going to come down down the pike Um, the best example of this would be the mines with black lung right so All these workers went, you know, were we're doing work that we all know, you know, mining is going to wreck the people who we we may not have realized black lung, but look, you know, it's wrecking people's bodies, right? Right. And if if there is not proper workers' compensation insurance required, then um a mining company is going to do precisely what they did do which is they will um pay people with what seems generous and ruin their bodies and then go bankrupt and leave society with all of these people who you know well what are we what are we doing we're actually bailing them out the, the government is, is bailing out all these, you know, the black lung fund. I, I, I don't know how much it is, but that's something that should, should have been covered by workers' compensation insurance. Right.
0: So, so if PG&E knows that they have this kind of, I, I don't want to call it a get out of jail free card, but almost like a, well, we can, we can amass some liabilities and we can always just declare bankruptcy and no big, no big whoop. Um, they still get to operate through bankruptcy and many of the execs gets to keep their jobs and come out on the other end. They just get to shirk the responsibility of paying debt to deal.
1: And, and they keep a minimum amount. I mean, what's supposed to stop that is um, the company keeping enough, um, you know, enough assets. But no reasonable company actually keeps more assets in the company than, it, than they re- really need to they pay that out as dividends right? right and the people who got the dividends got the dividends right right
0: so that's never going to you can't you're, you're not that gonna back. recoup
1: that yeah okay. that, that you're never going to recoup that so um you know requiring companies to have insurance is a way of making sure that they'll still be liable that they'll still you know somebody somebody will pay Pay out if they do whatever they do, um, and it just keeps them honest. It really does.
0: So you mentioned something else that you think the state failed at. So we're talking about kind of PG and A failures here, mixed with state not really requiring the amount of insurance that would rationally be required. Um, you also talked about uh, the state not really maintaining the the forest in the way that maybe an insurance company would have asked for them to do can you talk about that a little bit as well
1: sure so um, you know when an insurer um you know whatever if if paradise had been privately insured right um then the insurance company would be hey look we have to do something about making sure that this town doesn't burn down because when the town burns down guess what the insurance company has to rebuild that whole town, that's gonna be very expensive. Because we have these insurers that aren't private insurers, Um, and this, this also happened with the National Flood Insurance Program, right? When you have these public insurers which don't function as insurance companies, so they don't do the things that a private insurer does like you know actually send out inspectors to your home um i think people who have private insurance who live in brush area are you know have have had this happen where their insurance company sends them a uh, sends them a notice says we want proof that you cleared your brush so many feet from your structures whatever right and beyond that once the insurers have enough liability in a a certain area and that's why you have regional insurers right so um i can't get insurance private insurance for most of my clients who live up in the Mulholland area where there was this the fire right the Bel Air area those are very expensive homes almost a large number of them are um, are insured by California Fair Plan, which is a public insurer, uh, because you can't get private insurance. No private insurer is going to insure that area without making, you know, making sure that they're not going to be writing these huge checks. One of the ways they do that is by uh, making sure that the fire departments are adequate, the hydration is adequate you know but they also would get involved in forest management i don't know that that's the reason why fire insurers are are fleeing california i do know that fire insurers are fleeing california like like i said when lloyds of london says i'm not going to insure you there's something wrong
0: there yeah fair <laughs> they,
1: they they might raise their prices but I have clients who's, who've received cancellation notices from the Lloyd's of London for their homeowners insurance. That tells me there's something going on there, something that's not normal. Um, and I think I think the forest management part of that is, is part of that. Look, public insurers are a disaster. I believe. Well, really what don't.
0: incentive does a public insurer have to actually do a good job? There's not they don't really
1: a public insurer is not an insurance company. they They will never they will never act the way um, a private insurer does. I, I give this example a lot. Um, so with Medicare, you have the choice of basically a voucher program or you can stay on original med- Medicare, which is through the government, right? Well, original Medicare will not cover Viagra. It, will, it doesn't cover Viagra, and it doesn't cover um, gym memberships because so, it's it, written in the law. Some politician went out there and was like, we're not going to pay for people's Viagra and for their gyms, right? Right. All Every single private insurer that I know of definitely offers gym membership for free to all their Medicare patients. And a lot of them offer Viagra. Why? Because they don't they don't care about how it looks. They care about what that means to their bottom line. And having people go to the gym is worth it for them. Yep. Having, you know, Vi- Viagra, it might not sound like it's a very important thing, but you know what? somebody who's who's having problems is more likely to be depressed more likely not to be socializing not you know uh, and not ac- exercising and not getting out there and not caring about their looks and you know all, all of the things that go around, along with that right. so you know when is a public insurer going to be able to pay for viagra by convincing people that that's that's a, that's something we should do. The private insurers are doing
0: it. Right. Because they're just looking at the, the risks and they've got an actuarial table and they realize, I don't care what it looks like. It's cheaper to, to, to supplement Viagra. So done. Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now the other thing that when you have something that's occurring to me, I'll bounce this off of you, but it, it seems like if you've got something like California fair, uh, willing to insure homes that couldn't receive private insurance normally, or at least not economically. Um, it seems like you're also signaling people that, that their risk is lower than it actually is because they, they're like, well, I have this house. And like, if, if, you, if I was going to go buy a house and I went to get insurance before I bought the house and every insurance company was like, no way in hell are we insuring that house. I might not buy it. I might be like, well, there's something risky here. I don't know. Maybe it's fire, uh, you know, landslides, whatever, whatever it is,
1: something your, your, the
0: house is not a good investment.
1: Your bank is not going to give you the loan. You're not going to be able to get a mortgage without insurance on that house.
0: Right. Right. So, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I could, I, maybe if, if I had the money, I wouldn't do it. And if I, if I didn't have the money, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to borrow it from the bank because I, I couldn't get insurance. And so, But now you have uh, a public entity coming in, offering insurance when it actually shouldn't be offered. And now we've got people building and buying homes, an entire, uh, there's an entire market of these homes that's being uh, bought, sold, and lived in, which maybe actually they shouldn't even be there.
1: One hundred percent agree with you. Um, A lot of these homes, especially what gets me is this is this is crony capitalism because it very few of these homes are actually, you know, they're people, working class people who are, you know, the people who own these homes. um, They may be in Malibu, Bel Air, you know, I, I, I think, you know. I don't know what percentage, but it's that I I would be surprised if it's less than fifty percent of the homes in Bel Air are be, are being insured by California Fair Plan. Um, it's it's crony capitalism at its worst. Um, you know, just and those are expensive homes, homes that the rest
0: of us in California are subsidizing with our tax dollars when they do that too.
1: Yep, yeah. yeah, with your tax dollars and with your insurance dollars because. Um, you know, the California fair plan, part of how fair plan works is by taxing, um, the other in, insurers. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it's a very similar thing with the low income, um, uh, low income car insurance plan that California has. Right. Um, a lot of the people who are on that are actually, the they're not they're people who are low income, but not necessarily people who are um, you would consider uh, working class, right? They tend to be middle class, that you know, college students who in a few years are going to be very rich, or um, you know, who, whose parents are very rich, who end up on on on. I I cannot express what an abomination I think public insurers are. They they really really mess with the market in horrible ways. Um, I, I I understand to some extent. I mean in in Los Angeles uh, we have a public um, health insurer L A care, which competes with the private insurers um, and you know, a real public insurer can't, can't. They, because they are public, and they function the way government functions, and they're not as nimble and all that. It, it's not very competitive with with the other insurers. It just isn't.
0: But it could distort the market just like you're seeing Fair do. So, um, yeah. So what do you think? Look, well, what's uh. What's in store for p g and e, uh, and do you think California regulators will be taken to task for not doing any their job here or what
1: i I would be surprised um, and I would be very surprised if what I think needs to happen, which is requiring our utilities to purchase enough insurance, is what what happens because you know, you have people on the right who are like, Oh, private business, you know,
0: uh,
1: less regulation is better. And, you know, and then you have people on the left who are like, well, insurance is just a scam and whatever. Um, but what really needs to happen, which I would be shocked if it were to happen, where is somebody like the insurance commissioner, should be coming out and saying, Hey, you know what, this is some, this is a problem that insurance could fix. Um, Unfortunately, that's, it's a, it's an elected statewide office um, and people don't get elected to be insurance commissioner because they know a lot about insurance.
0: Right. Well, look, as one of the people who is a a generally a, a less regulation free market person, as you know, um the truth is though we also have to address the reality that if we are going to have which apparently in california we are if we're going to have a one company monopoly on energy that's regulated in some way well it better be regulated as best as possible because uh there there isn't any competition there's nothing to like this is this I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I don't have the fantasy that we're going to suddenly dismantle things and have free market energy in California. So, like, we are stuck with PG&E. We are stuck with them as a monopoly. And it seems like, at the at at the very least, we could regulate them properly. We could have them run rationally in a way that a a good electric company should carry insurance.
1: To to steel man the minarchist position which i try to do <laughs> um, uh you know uh, i'm a big fan of brian kaplan as much as anybody else uh but um you know if insurance is used to stop externalities right that can still be a minarchist position of you have to carry enough insurance to cover your externalities, if you're going to be polluting, if you're going to be, you know, liability, whatever it is, I want you to show me that you have enough insurance to cover whatever those liabilities are, you know. Um, and if if it's not a real, um, if it's not something we have to worry about, for example, you know, pipeline leakage. I wish the pipelines were were required to have huge amounts of insurance. You know what? If you're right and it's not going to leak, the insurance will be very cheap. And if you're wrong and it is going to leak, then that insurance company is going to come and pay for whatever cleanup is necessary. So from an externalities point of view, you can require enough insurance and the market will set the price for that insurance if you have a healthy insurance market um, you know if it's if it's a low risk you'll get cheap insurance and if it's a high risk you'll get expensive insurance but
0: or you'll it, fix the problem make it a low risk yeah, <laughs> right right yeah yeah you're getting you're getting dangerously into talking about how actual anarchy could potentially work but uh, we'll leave that for another
1: That would would require the possibility of having insurance and without government regulation. And that's never happened.
0: It may never happen. I think part of that, I, you know, I think part of the problem that we see just uh, one of the long-term effects of having the government involved in things is it abdicate it's, it's a way of abdicating personal responsibility. And so people don't learn to make smart decisions and require the right things from the people they do business with because government is daddy and and, you know my belief and we don't have to debate this but my belief is that over over a long period of time if you if the government wasn't involved people would get burned at first and then there would be cultural knowledge of like uh uh-uh that's not the way we need to do things (laughs) this we need to require there would be there would be cultural knowledge that would be get transmitted to and and you know you would have you would have agreements when you went to buy a home right the bank would be like well you're near this power line and this power company's not carrying this much insurance. Like all that would all of that would happen. Uh, it's a fantasy <laughs> because we're not there, we're nowhere near there. And I recognize in, that.
1: In uh, insurance so. markets are very fragile. I compare them to a delicate flower the way only an insurance agent would. Um, they we've only been able to cultivate them in greenhouses.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> Look, I really appreciate you coming on and, and giving some insight into what's going on with PG&E and California. And, um, you know, it. I think what I like about this story is people always look to kind of the obvious things. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. The government didn't clean up the forest. The PG&E didn't maintain their equipment. They gave bonuses to their execs. All that may be true, but the underlying cause is really when you talk about incentives and you've really hit the, you know, as boring as insurance may be to some people, it's its really the key to the incentive structure that allowed all of this crap to fall apart in California.
1: One of the best things about insurance, one of the most important things about insurance is it makes people be responsible for what they do. Um, and that—that that is you know, that's why we, we require people to have car insurance, right? right? It, it, it reco- makes you be responsible.
0: Yep. Well said. Well, Jacob, thank you very much again for joining unsafe space. Appreciate your time and expertise. And, uh, maybe we'll have you back to talk about insurance in some other capacity. Another, another time.
1: I, I never stop talking about insurance. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I don't think Carrie's gonna invite you to any parties with that attitude, but you know, I might. I might. <laughs> Thanks, Jacob. Bye.